If you are looking to elevate your leadership and drive your nonprofit forward, I invite you to subscribe to the Successful Nonprofits newsletter. Every week, I curate exclusive shareworthy content that sparks inspiration, innovation, and conversation. From the latest trends to timeless advice, the weekly email newsletter is your all-access pass to a treasure trove of resources. But receiving the newsletter is not just about staying informed. It's also about getting our best content first. Subscribers get first access to our newest downloadable templates designed to propel your leadership and amplify your impact. And that's not all, my friend. We are constantly working on new ways to support you and your mission. So as a subscriber, you'll get updates on our latest projects, opportunities to participate in surveys, and a say in the topics that we tackle next. You will essentially get me as a consultant, coach, and confidant in your inbox, ready to help you navigate the challenges of nonprofit leadership. So if you're an executive director, board chair, or a nonprofit leader who believes in making a difference, join me as a newsletter subscriber. Visit SuccessfulNonprofits.com forward slash newsletter to sign up today. And now, friend, let me take you to the episode you've downloaded. Welcome to the Successful Nonprofits Podcast. I'm your host, Dolph Goldenberg. And friends, today we are diving deep into Clifton Strengths with John Augusto. And trust me, this is an insight-packed session you will wish you heard sooner. John Augusto is an associate dean at Georgia State University and has spent much of his professional life in academia, doing research, and also finding ways that research can be applied so that actually the research that is done impacts lives today. And that's one of the reasons, frankly, why I was very excited when one of my consulting colleagues, Ellen McCarty, said, oh my gosh, you have got to talk to John Augusto about Clifton Strengths. So Ellen and John work together as Clifton Strength coaches, and together they have been doing consulting work with for-profits, nonprofits, and government entities using really this Clifton Strengths model. They have helped build stronger teams and frankly, stronger team members. So today we're going to be doing a deep, deep dive on ways to increase human potential. And by the way, that also means our potential and the potential of our teams by identifying strengths within individuals and within the organization. Hey, John, welcome to the podcast. Dolph, I'm excited to be here. Um, I think this is going to be a really uh, insightful session, uh, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, thank you, and, and so am I. And I know you and I were um, exchanging some messages before this recording session, and you had shared something about a, a young college student you were working with, and you had that student kind of have a light bulb moment about strengths. Yeah, Dolph. You know, I've been very fortunate in my career both at Georgia State and previously at the University of Kansas to work with some outstanding students. And one of the things I liked about the, and still like about the Clifton Strengths Assessment, both at Georgia State and at the University of Kansas, is that it introduces talents and strengths to a group of individuals who are in starting that development arc, not only professionally, maybe they're uh, 
yeah, first time computer science student and they're starting to identify what does it mean to be a computer scientist, but they're also developing their personal identity as well. And I think that's really important that we recognize both the professional in that young first year, first time student, but also that personal development. So at the University of Kansas, I was part of a group of individuals that rolled out Clifton Strengths to all first year students. So as part of that rollout at the orientation, we would do a what I call a quick and dirty 45 minute discussion about Clifton Strengths. So I had a group of students that day in the room. It's about 40 students in the room. And we're sitting there and I'm going through kind of the nuts and bolts descriptions of Clifton Strengths. And I stop as any good instructor does and say, does anybody have any questions? And this young man raises his hand and he says, yeah, I have this thing called, um, I, you know, I'm just looking at my report and I don't understand it. I said, well, tell me which one you don't understand. And he says, well, I'm looking at it, and, you know, and I says, I, I, I'm, I have this responsibility, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. And I have this thing called a ranger. I don't know what that is. And he says, I read it and I talked to people about it like you told me to, and I still don't understand. I said, well, tell me, tell me what you like to do. He says, I came to college to play football. I said, well, American football or like real football? He says, no, 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 I'm an American. He said, American football. I kind of got him, you know, loosened up a little bit. And in that, I said, just started asking him questions and used the power of questions, which is, so do you play offense or defense? He says, I play defense. I said, well, what role do you play? He says, I'm a linebacker. Very, you know, identity, very, very much there. And then I asked the question, what does a linebacker do? Now, I knew the answer but I wanted him to answer the question for him. He says, here's my job. And he, start, and he gets up and his hands start to move. And he says, my job is to know everyone's job in front of me. Like every person in front of me, I have to know what they're going to do on every play. Everyone behind me, I have to also make sure they're in the right place as well. My job is to arrange and stops and says, oh, now I get it. My job is to arrange people in the right way, not only on the right bus, but the right people on the right bus in the right seat. And I think he just kind of had that light bulb moment of like he saw what was we call a talent theme, a ranger. He saw it used as a strength uh, every day and said, oh, this is how I do this. But he had a name for it now. He knew what it was. But now he could name it and start to claim it as his own and say, when I'm in situations where I have to get people going, that's my natural talent. And I have to use that arranger talent to do that work. And that's my strength. What I love about that story, John, is it also, and I get this is what you're saying, but I just want to drive it home, is like, it also will help him realize, oh, you know, later on in life, whether I'm in the business world or I go into healthcare or the nonprofit sector or whatever, I know that this is a talent I've got. And I can, like, this is now like a, a cross-functional skill I can use. That's incredible. Well, and I think the other thing too is, you know, a lot of times, especially with college students, but in any profession, you know, that you walk into a job interview and they say, tell us about yourself. That's one of the most difficult questions to ask. And it's even more difficult question to answer, which is, how do I tell about myself? Clifton Strengths gives you your report, your assessment report gives you your strengths. You can then talk about, here's the things I am strong at. I am very strategic in my efforts. I can make a plan and I can make a list on that plan and drive home results based on that plan, right? That's called strategic. 
Um, I can think in the future. I have the ability to forecast three, six, nine, 12 months out and what that's going to look like and then communicate that to the people I'm working with. That's futuristic. So you can really start to see how not just talking about I'm hardworking, I, you know, I come to work early or I, I'm, a, I'm a good person to work with. You can start to give examples with the language around Clifton Strengths. It's interesting because that's kind of what I was imagining in my head. I was like, okay, you know, this this young person who was a linebacker at University of Kansas, he goes into his first professional job interview and someone says, oh, you know, what did football teach you? And obviously, you know, there's the pat answer we all know. Oh, it taught me discipline. It taught me hard work. But everyone on the football team can say that. But, you know, he can also say, oh, it also taught me how to be an arranger. And here's what that means. And here's how I'm going to bring that skill in addition to my discipline and hard work. So I, I love that. Now, John, this causes me to ask another question. So it sounds like thousands of freshmen at the University of Kansas were taking Clifton Strengths assessment. How did you all choose Clifton Strengths as opposed to one of the many other strength-based or personality assessments that are out there? At the University of Kansas, which had for a number of years a very strong positive psychology program, we had a number of researchers who were involved with Gallup. Gallup is the organization that runs the Clifton Strengths. So it, it became a very natural extension of that research for the University of Kansas to invest in using Clifton Strengths. A good colleague, uh, uh, just a wonderful human being, Dr. Shane Lopez did a number of great research projects with Gallup, was a close friend of mine, wrote the book called Hope. Dr. Lopez was often called Dr. Hope. And the idea that his work with Gallup would carry on at the University of Kansas uh, by using that assessment, I think was really, really powerful. And even here now at Georgia State, I work with a lot of students who are first generation, who are low income, who are students who are just trying to get that next step, that social mobility that's so key and critical. And I know, Dolph, a number of your listeners probably work in that field of providing that social mobility for those who have fewer resources. And I know at Georgia State, when I talk to students about Clifton Strengths, they get really excited because now they have a language they can talk about as opposed to I'm hardworking, I'm this, I'm that. No, I have command and I know I have a presence when I can bring people together and get them to see an idea. And I've got words to describe myself that I didn't have before because I didn't have the resources of an outstanding top 10 high school. I didn't have the resources of having a father who was a, a medical doctor and a mother who was a lawyer. I didn't have those resources. But what I have now is the opportunity to get a great education and the opportunity to use my strengths on a daily basis. That's awesome. And so You'd mentioned that the Department of Psychology had been working with Gallup and was familiar with Clifton Strengths. What about Clifton Strengths set it apart, though, from all of the other assessments? Because again, let's face it, like, I, I mean, I can't even think of them all now. I know there's DISC and then there's there's many other like assessments that, that you all could have chosen. Yeah. And, you know, and oftentimes when I'm working with a nonprofit, they ask that very question. Okay, we have choices here. What choices do we make? And two things that we like to talk about, Ellen and I both talk about this. The first thing is that, you know, there are, there are many assessments that will tell you who you are. You're this color or you're this on the ENTJ or whatever the, and I'm not, I'm not as familiar with those as probably as I should be. But for me, when I talk about Clifton Strengths and why a, a nonprofit should use Clifton Strengths, I really want to focus in on, um, it tells 
you as the organization, how your people make their way through the world. In other words, it focuses on four key aspects. It focuses on those who do, do things, right? Those executing things that we have to do in any organization. Those of us who have strategic thinking, right? Those individuals who can, well, I say, think their way through a problem. And those are incredible, credible talents that you need in a nonprofit. You have to have a group of folks who influence. We always talk about the nonprofit world as having impact. One way that you can have impact is you influence the decision makers, you influence the policy makers, you influence the clients you work with. And then the last one that I think is really important is the relationship building. Ellen calls these the heart people. These are the people who really get and understand the mission, the value, and they can express that and they create those relationships that matter so much in the nonprofit world. So when nonprofits look at the options they have, I say Clifton Strengths allows you to understand and appreciate that in very specific ways. The other reason why I think nonprofits should invest their time and energy into using the Clifton Strengths assessment and why I believe in it is that developmental aspect of it. Because it's not enough to say, I'm an achiever, you're an achiever, we're achievers too. I see that a lot. Organizations go, oh, you've got your, your strengths on your nameplate outside your office, or you do an event and you run around, have fun. That's great. That naming process is great. When I work with organizations, I also want them to claim there. I want them to say, this is how it shows up. And this is really important because that really starts to say, not only I have achiever and you have achiever, but this is what my achiever looks like in relation to the other four or five strengths I have that are my top strengths. The last part of that though, and that's where the organization really gets the benefit, the bump, if you will, from using Clifton Strengths, is that ability to aim. Aim with an individual and say, where do you see yourself in six months, 12 months, two years? And to have a really strong development conversation is how are you gonna use your strengths to get there? What are your 12 month goals and how can we use your strengths to get there? And then take it out of the individual into the organization or to the team and say, as a team, here are our talent themes, here's where our strengths show up and really start to understand and appreciate how those strengths can show up as a team and then push towards those goals, aim those strengths towards the goals that you have as either an individual, a team or an entire organization. Can you share a story about an organization you worked with and kind of took through that process? Yeah, I'll share a story of a recent um, organization that we work with. This organization is, is throughout the metro Atlanta. They do phenomenal, phenomenal work. Um, they are amazing individuals doing uh, what I think is what I would call life-saving work. And I don't just mean like their EMTs registering into the burning building. Um, every day they show up and do phenomenal work in the lives of human beings. So one of the things we wanted to get them around claiming and aiming those strengths, because we had a group of about 50 employees, and they are, again, doing great work, and they have a lot of goals that they want to make, and they have a lot of impact they want to provide to the metro area here in Atlanta. So we took them, again, action-oriented. So we said, okay, a group of you, we're going to call the strategic thinkers, right? And we align those people by their theme. We took a group of people who are executors, right? And we align those people by the theme. We took that group of people who are what we call influencers. These are influencing strengths. We align those people. And the fourth group was relationship building. And we gave them a very simple question. 
which is come up with the 30-second commercial for your organization, right? Build that brand. Tell us what that brand looks like. And what's interesting is this. Immediately, within the words, the first 20 seconds, they fell into their themes. They fell into their strengths. So what I mean by that is this. There's an influencing group. We're at two minutes into the session, and they could all come up to me and say, we need 15 more minutes, and here's why. And they started giving me reasons why they needed more time, right? They're trying to influence the, the exercise, right? Because that's what they do. That's what they naturally do, right? They naturally make their world by influencing others. So we gave them a little more time. They came back, and they started to do their work. So their commercials came out, right? You have the executors. They literally had a list of Here's all the reasons why you want to be involved with this organization or to support this organization. And it's a list, like do this, do this, do this, do this, like, and it's rapid fire, right? The relationship builders, oh my gosh, they're just like, their words and they're like, they talk about the emotion of it and they talk about the connection that they make. And it's just like, you know, one of those puppy videos that you watch on, on social media just grabs your heart in an instant. The influencers are really starting to show like, okay, this is the impact that we have. This is the lives that we change. These are the stories we can tell that'll move you, right? The thinkers, they said, you know what? We thought so much about all the options we had, we needed more time to think about it. And the reason why I tell that story and the reason why we did the exercise is the following. That went through all four groups and we said, what did you learn? And Within 20 seconds, every one of them said, we see the power of having differences, that I might be someone who's strategic thinking, and I might be somebody who's influencing, but the way we work, move forward as an organization towards communicating and making impact is by having a diverse group of individuals and seeing the talents and how they show up in that diverse group can really drive on a key goal. Uh, that we have, which for them was they wanted to be an organization that made impact in the Atlanta metro area. Oh my gosh, that is, that is such a good, good story and good example. Thank you. And and it does really underscore the importance of that, having diversity on teams, which makes me wonder, is one of these, and I apologize, I don't remember if they're called traits or or categories, but is one of these categories overrepresented in the general population and is one underrepresented? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question. Like who shows up where and when, right? So if, if you talk with Gallup, and I've had a couple of conversations with the Gallup researchers on this, the one group that shows up, I'll say, there's, there's one talent thing that shows up a lot, and that's Achiever. It is the, what we call the number one. And, it, and I have it, a lot of folks have it, Ellen has it as well. Um, and I think it's really important that we say that that talent thing is number one. It shows up when people, the 30-some million people who've taken the assessment, that is the number one identified theme. Now, to a certain extent, that's not surprising, right? You have someone who's motivated, whether they work in the government agency, the nonprofit agency, the for-profit agency, whether they're, they're a college student or a CEO, they're, they're, that, that theme will show up because they are individuals who are motivated, right, externally or internally motivated to achieve, right? So achiever shows up in many, many different ways. The other themes, though, that don't show up, and this is especially true in some of the work I've done in higher education, is those influencing themes. Now, I've been very fortunate. I've had friends and colleagues who have things like, you know, command, self-assurance. These are talent themes that show up in what we call the influencing themes. 
And the key part of this is to remember is about this is this. Many times those influencing themes show up uh, in individuals identified as male, for example, command. And we'll say as a society or an organization, oh, that person's a true leader. You know, they've got leadership quality because they can get people when they speak, people are, you know, listen to them. But many times I have seen in my career where individuals who identify as female will have similar talent themes. Oh, well, she's bossy. Well, she's, you know, she's not, she's not a team player. And it's, it really is important for organizations to look at the talent themes, how they become strengths, but within the context of their organization and saying, are we providing that equal opportunity within our organization to make sure those strengths come up irregardless of their identified gender, right? And I think that's really important when we talk about strengths and what's, what strengths show us is that it's just a tool. It's a great tool, right? But it really relies on the individual or the team or the organization to use that tool to achieve their goals. And so since you said, I think you said that influence maybe are a little underrepresented in the general population, are these static? Like, can someone say, oh, I'm going to work on um, my influence talent and really work on developing that? One of the things we talk about with the Gallup assessment is reliability. In other words, if I take the assessment today and then three years from now, I take the assessment, my results should look pretty similar. And that's the reliability issue that we want to make sure we're addressing. The key part of that is this. The assessment's affected by life changes. I think I've been doing this now for 12, I lost count, 12 or 13 years. I've only had one time where someone said to me, John, I took the assessment, and then many years later, I took it again and had different results. So here, here's the specific example. She took it as an 18-year-old freshman at Baylor University, right? Right out of high school, took the assessment, learned her top five. In fact, you know, really got excited about her top five. Many years later, as a working professional, where she had gone through a PhD program um, in, in New York City, right? She had moved twice for different job reasons, and now she was at the University of Kansas. Well, her, her 34 shifted entirely. And I was like, yeah, how'd that happen, Katie? And she said, well, here's how it happened. I did this, I did this, I did this. So she had a major shift in her life a couple of times, and that reoriented her to that. For the most part, what I see a lot when I talk to folks who've taken it multiple times is they say, you know, I had an, a strength that was like at nine or 10, and now it's become like top five, like responsibility for me. Before I was a father, responsibility was probably 33. But, you know, you get that fatherhood uh, vibe and you see that little one in your hands and you realize this human being is on you, is going to depend on you for the next umpteen years. That And so now I, I, if I look at my results, responsibilities in my top 10 easy. Right. It was probably 11 or 12 before fatherhood, all joking aside, and it just got pushed up because I, it's something I have to use. The other thing is this. I, I look at my strengths report and I tell people to do this. Look at the bottom, right? There's 34 talent themes. Everyone goes to the bottom when they get the reports. Like, what am I not good at? And it's not so much that you're not good at. It's just that it's a talent theme that doesn't show up very often. For example, I don't have a lot of influencing themes, right? Command is very low for me. Um, Self-assurance is very low for me. 
And but yet in my job, I have to do a lot of corporate and community outreach for Georgia State, for the College of Arts and Sciences. And so what I try to do is I try to use who I am, as they say, be you, boo. Um, I try to be who I am and say, okay, I'm an achiever. I'm an arranger. So I got to make a list of the people I need to talk with and get them in the right situations to push towards that goal we have. So I need to use my talent themes in order to influence others. But how I do that is not with influencing themes. I do it with just being me and saying, these are my top five. And these are how I'm going to be successful. I will never be competitive. I'm just not. But yet I've done triathlons, marathons, half marathons, because I enjoy that achieving aspect of it, not the competition. Uh, they, they fly by me on the bike. I'm like, yeah, have a good race, you know. But I'm just not that person. But my colleague who does these uber competitive, uber competitive, top five, you know, competition theme, it is a strength. And I'd love being around that because I learned so much about it because that's not me. Yeah, yeah. So that also makes me think, I know oftentimes when we do an assessment like Clifton Strengths, we're doing it in a workplace or we're doing it at school or someplace like that. How can we apply like those top five strengths? You know, you mentioned, hey, really focus on the top five. Having the knowledge of those top five strengths, how can we apply that in our personal lives and our personal relationships and, our, and also our community involvement? Yeah, you know, and I think that's really important because, as I said, working with college students, we kind of focus a lot on um, the professional development. Here at Georgia State, we call it college to career, right? And I think a lot of universities are in that focus. But whether you're a first-time college student, whether you're a 20-year, you know, seasoned employee for a nonprofit, you have to have, those strengths are going to show up in your personal life. They're going to show up in your role as a as a parent. They're going to show up in your role as a partner. They're going to show up in the volunteer work that you do. And so our engagement work that you do with the community. Um, one of the groups that I really like to coach is in the nonprofit space is, is actually churches. And I, I take a non-secular approach to it. But for a lot of churches who do that community outreach, we talk a lot about talents and strengths and how they show up. But whatever type of nonprofit you're working with, I think it's really important to sit back for a moment and say, who am I and why do I do this work? So why am I a father? Why am I, a, why do I volunteer with this group? Why do I care about Atlanta Food Bank? Who My colleague and I just had brunch yesterday, Elizabeth, and we were talking about some of the things that she's working on. Like those are the programs I care about. So why, why is that? And then express that and think about that in your own strengths. So I know, for example, for me uh, as a father, you know, as an arranger and developer, it was all about how can I put my kids in the best situation to learn? How can I put my kids in the best situation to maybe make mistakes with the support of parents who love and support them, but also can get them into, okay, now what did you learn from that? And how did you grow from that? And I think it really is important with our partnerships. Because a lot of times, whether it's a romantic partnership or a professional partnership, we start to take things for granted, right? And Ellen and I have a great story about this where, you know, she'll get, she has focus in her top five and she will get like extremely focused when we're working together. And sometimes I have to tell Ellen, stop, take, look at me, take a step back, you know, 
you're going at 90 miles an hour and I'm doing only doing 60. So, you know, keep me, keep me in the loop here as we go along. And it's just that ability to see that, that person in very, very special ways. I'll tell a last story. So I was married for 25 years to an amazing human being. And she is still honestly my best friend. Um, we have three amazing children. I'm so blessed and so grateful that they are in my lives. But I always say to my friends when they ask, oh, you're divorced, I'm sorry, that sort of thing. I say, you know what? I say, the last seven years of my marriage were some of the best years of my marriage. And they're like, what? You know, that doesn't make sense. I said, when we took the assessment together, we got to see each other in a whole new light. And I got to see and kind of revisit why I was attracted to her in the first place and what made us so unique together because we were opposites in many, many ways and still are to this day. But her drive, her self-assurance, her command that she has, you know, she walks into a room and instantly people know she's the go-to person. Whereas I have to walk in the room and I have to work the room and arrange the conversations and develop those ideas, right? Because we just approach life two different ways because we're two different people. So I do think that it, whether you have a, a partner that you're working with, whether you have a, a organization that you're working with and you know, you're passionate about knowing why you work that with that person or that organization, and then using those strengths to help you do that, it's just a powerful combination. And John, thank you for sharing from a very personal perspective as well. Thank you. That, that makes it even more powerful. And I always believe that there's so much more to a person than just their expertise. So I'd like to continue that sharing with our off the map question. And so uh, you mentioned triathloning, marathoning, half marathoning. So I don't do triathlons. I am a, I am a tri spouse. So my husband's an Ironman. Um, and that means that I'm really familiar with the circuit. And so I'm just curious, is there, is there, is there a triathlon or a race that you've done that really stood out for you and why? Oh, yeah. Um, down in Panama City at the Gulf Coast. And here's why. I'm a decent swimmer. I won't drown. Um, and I, again, I'm not competitive. So this is not about like, I'm going to place, you know, fifth in my age group. And I just, I don't understand how people think that way. I appreciate it. I see it, but I don't know how they do it, in other words. Um, but yeah, the Gulf Coast for me, um, it was my first, and that's why, you know, you, you always remember your first race, but I, here's what I remember about it. I didn't get to do all three disciplines uh, that year, that particular race. It has a history of people dying. It's, they've had three deaths in like the last seven years, which statistically, that's not what happens at, and in the 70.3 triathlons. So there was that. I was concerned about it, and I knew in May – the water can be a little unpredictable. And so that was there. But the morning of the race, you know, getting everything ready and kind of in the zone and talking to people, just kind of chit-chatting, you know, trying to calm the nerves a little bit. And they come out and they announce that, in fact, the water has gotten too bad through the storms and everything. And we can't, we can't do the swim. And I remember some people who are, you could tell, were seasoned much more than me, more, much more experienced than me. They got really upset. And they said, well, we have to swim. We're just going to go swim. I'm like, and you could just see the competition come out of them. Like, we have to do this. And if you can't do this, then you're not a real, you know, triathlete. And I was just like, wow. The reason I tell that story is this. Many times we have a strength. 
and it shows up every day, right? But even our strongest strengths, our number one on the, on the chart, can have a weakness, can have an opportunity where it's not in the best light. It's not productively applied as a lot of as the theoretical language I like to use. And sometimes, you know, whether it's whatever talent theme it is, it also has that weakness where we just like, it's not really helpful for us. And that was a reminder to me that sometimes our strengths can get in our way of our overall happiness, productivity. Uh, whether it's the person who wants to go swim and we shouldn't be swimming, or you know the person who gets called a workaholic because he he does Clifton Strengths coaching, he has an, a great consulting work that he does, and he's an associate dean. So we all have those strengths that we have that sometimes look like weaknesses. So I tied it into that, and I tied it in triathlon. How's that? You even tied the awesome that question in. I love that. I love that. I will share with you. My husband has done that 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 half Ironman as well. And one year when he did it, there was a school of jellyfish in the water and like a large percentage, over 10% of the people got stung by jellyfish, including my husband. Now I don't do triathlons in part because I don't know how to swim. And there's nothing about the idea of being stung by jellyfish in the water that makes me want to learn how to swim. <laughs> I'm just like, no, uh-uh, no way, no way, no way. Um, so John, th thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing more with our friends about Clifton strengths and, and really ways that they can, they can identify strengths and use them in their professional life and also in their personal life. Thank you. Well, and I just think that, you know, especially for those folks who are our friends on this podcast, they probably work in difficult times, right? Nonprofits are being taxed more than ever, I think. Uh, the resources may not there be there. The financial resources may not be there. And whenever I'm working with a nonprofit, I always remind them of something they already know, which is that their number one resource are the people that work in the organization. And I say their number two or their, their number two resources are the clients that they work with. And that's what they get. I said, you know, if you take a strengths-based approach where to your people who are involved with the organization and a positive psychology approach. You'd be surprised the changes you can make, the minor changes day to day you can make that add up, right? So you, you change a little bit today, you change a little bit tomorrow. One of the things that triathlon training has taught me is the power of now, which is just simply that, okay, I know I have to run 13 miles uh, in a couple of months, but today I'm just going to run three, or today I'm just going to run five, or today I'm just going to swim a thousand meters, right? And that approach where you're saying, I'm always going to try. I'm always going to put that forward. I'm going to be positive about the people I interact with. I'm going to use my strengths every day. It's how I make my way through the world. That's going to really help that individual, but more importantly, the work they do with a team, the work they do with an organization. Absolutely. And thank you. And John, I know that our friends might want to figure out how to get a hold of you. And I think there's two ways. Um, one is on LinkedIn. And, uh, and, you know, LinkedIn URLs are always so long. So we're just going to uh, link to that in our show notes at successfulnonprofits.com. But also, I know you work with Ellen McCarty on this work with nonprofits. And so listeners, you can also go to McCartyandCoLLC.com. Once again, that's McCartyandCoLLC.com. And you can find both Ellen and John there if you want to find out more about ways in which they can help your nonprofit with Clifton Strains. John, thank you so much. Yeah, it's just been a real pleasure. Um, you know, Alan has an amazing, amazing career here in the Atlanta metro area. That's why we make great partners, because she brings that knowledge of how, what makes Atlanta and Georgia tick, 
in the nonprofit space and has so many connections. And she's got that with a knowledge of Clifton Strengths. And what I try to do is complement that knowledge that she has of Clifton Strengths. So we'd be delighted to have a conversation with any of the friends on uh, the podcast and just uh, find out ways we can help them succeed personally or professionally. That's awesome. Thank you. And friends, if you found this episode helpful, there's two more I'd like for you to consider. And both of them are around strengths and how to really build off of strengths. The first, and by the way, we're going to go in the Wayback Machine for this, but the first is episode 187, Coaching for Nonprofit Leaders with Deb Stalling. And the second is episode 198, Fire Up Your Productivity with Peter Chattel. And while that might sound like it's more about tools, that's actually really was about how to build on your strengths so you could be even more productive as an individual and as a team. That, my friends, is our episode for this week. I hope that you have gained some insight to help you and your nonprofit thrive. And you know, the lawyers always make me do a disclaimer, and I just got tired of doing the legal easy sounding one. So here's the disclaimer today. Before we sign off, a quick game of three truths and no lie. Truth, I am not an accountant. Truth, I am not an attorney. Truth, neither this podcast nor myself provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Remember to consult a licensed professional when you need one.